0: All right, Matthew chapter number 8, and I'd like just to read four verses this morning, and then we'll preach the Word of God. The Bible says, when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Now, the mountain that he came down from, he had just got through teaching uh, the sermon on the mountain. He's come down from the mountain now. The Bible says, and behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Jesus put forth his hand and touched him saying, "'I will be thou clean.' And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus saith unto him, "'See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony.'" Unto them. Now, let's read verse number 3 once more. And Jesus put forth His hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Let's pray together. Lord, again we do thank You for this day and the privilege that it is to be in Your house. God, I pray that we'd not take lightly the opportunity You've afforded us, but Lord, that our hearts would be surrendered and submitted to Your Word this morning and to the working of Your Spirit. Now, Lord, You knew who'd be here this morning. You know each and every heart, Lord, in a way that we never will be able to, but Father, You know each and every heart. And God, we just ask that you'd speak to each person this morning. That which, Lord, would be relevant, would apply to them, but God also that which would bring you the most glory and gain the greatest victory for Christ's name in our lives. Lord, we do love you. Thank you for all that you have done and that you will do. Lord, I pray that you'd save that sinner that's closest to hell this morning, Father. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Now, in Matthew chapter number 8, we have the first healing of a leper in the Word of God. Now, most of us know what leprosy is. Uh, you may have seen pictures before. Uh, it's called Hansen's disease. It's sort of the way that we know it today. I was telling my wife last night that armadillos, I don't know if you know this, but armadillos are making their way into East Tennessee. Anybody seen any of that? Heard any of that? Armadillos carry leprosy in their tails. So try and sleep tonight knowing that. Amen. Uh, but I don't think you have much to worry about in the way of catching it from an armadillo. I don't know what you'd be doing with an armadillo that you'd catch it, but that's between you and the Lord and the state of Tennessee. But in Matthew chapter 8, we have the healing of a leper. Now, this is an astounding thing. Christ healed many lepers. I'm sure there were many that we did not know about and do not know about uh, because they're not recorded in the Word of God, but there are several that are recorded in the Word of God. And this is an astounding truth. Uh, leprosy was a disease which has no uh, type of cure. At that time, had nothing you could do to treat it. They simply would just have to look at them, watch them, see if the leprosy was progressing. It would get to a point they'd send them off into leper colonies. They were traveling down the road and they saw someone coming towards them. They were under law required to cry out, Unclean! Unclean! And to try to shield themselves from infecting that other person. It was highly contagious and it was terminal. And so this comes the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, remember the context. He's just finished the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, he has just finished teaching uh, some of the most powerful teaching uh, in the Word of God. And in fact, they said about Him that He taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. So His Word has had power. His Word has had authority. And immediately when He comes off the mountain, a test is placed before Him. Now, we know He's the Son of God. Amen. We know that He knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. We know it was no surprise to Him. But don't you know it may have crossed through the mind of those that were gathered there. The Bible says that those multitudes followed Him down from the mountain. Don't you know that maybe a few of them stepped back and thought, well, we'll see. We'll see now. He can stand on the mountain and He can teach and He can sound good, but now we'll see whether He really has any power. What a beautiful truth that we find here. The leper comes to Christ. He says, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And the Lord reaches out and takes the same hand that flung the stars into the darkest of skies, the same hand, listen, that reached down onto Sinai and wrote in the stone, the same hand that would go on to write in the sand and to pardon the woman taken in adultery, the same hand uh, that the universe was measured in the span of and the waters were meted out in the lines of his hand, that very same hand he reached out and touched that leper. The Bible says that immediately his leprosy was cleansed. But you know, as we read this passage, it is not lost on me, and I'm sure it's not lost on you, that there is a spiritual truth to be learned from this as well. You see, as you look at the disease of leprosy in the Bible, leprosy is a picture of sin. From the first time that it's mentioned all the way through leprosy is a picture of sin in the Bible. Now you say, Preacher, are you saying that this leper had sinned? Well, I'm sure he had sinned. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I don't know that his particular leprosy was due to some uh, unknown sin and secret sin that was so awful in his life. Uh, But leprosy, uh, of course it's caused by sin. Sin didn't exist in this world, or leprosy did not exist in this world. Disease at large didn't exist in this world until man sinned, until man committed evil and uh, participated in iniquity, and uh, mankind was spiraled into depravity. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, creation was spiraled into depravity as well. Now, all of a sudden, all sorts of sicknesses begin to develop. And so uh, any disease can be a picture of sin in the Bible, but in a particular way, leprosy was because of the characteristics of it. In fact, let's go ahead, let's get to preaching. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I want us to look, number one, at the leper's condition. Can we do that this morning? We don't know the man's name because his name didn't matter. He was a leper. We don't know his history because his history didn't matter much. Once you had leprosy, it didn't matter if you were an important man, if you were an unimportant man. You see, the defining quality of this man is that he was a leper. You know, that's true of the sinner. It doesn't matter if you're an important sinner or an unimportant sinner. If you're a sinner, you're a sinner. The Bible says we're all sinners, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and that, uh, that death passed upon all men and all have sinned. Every one of us is a sinner. But I mean today, this morning, if you are unrepentant and if you've rejected Jesus Christ, can I say to you this morning that there may be a lot of things that matter to society, but the only thing that matters to God is whether you've accepted His Son or not, and in His eyes you're a sinner. You may be important in the world's eyes. You may be uh, prominent in the world's eyes. You may be wealthy in the world's uh, monetary means. But at the end of the day, you're sentenced to death just like this leper was. He was a leper, no more, no less. You see, the first thing that we see with this man is his sickness. His sickness uh, outshadowed and eclipsed everything else in his life. And it's the same way for a sinner. I'd say, first off, this was a terrible disease. There's a lot of bad diseases out there. And when you're a pastor, you run across a lot of bad diseases. You know, I mean, you're in hospitals all the time. Uh, You know a lot of people. You have a lot of people say, come pray for my loved one. Come talk to my uh, brother or my sister or my child or my father or grandparent. And you run across a lot of awful diseases. But let me say that in walking the halls of the hospitals of Knoxville, Tennessee and of other places, I've never come across a disease as awful as leprosy was. Can I read what one commentator said about it as he summed up and described what leprosy was like? He said this, No disease with which the human family has been afflicted has been more dreadful than that which is often mentioned in the Bible as leprosy. It first exhibits itself on the surface of the skin. The appearance is not always the same, but it commonly resembles the spot made by the puncture of a pin or the pustules of a ringworm. These spots, though few at first, gradually spread until they cover the whole body. But though the appearance of the disease is at first in the skin, yet it is deeply seated in the bones and marrow and joints of the body. We have reason to suppose that in children it is concealed in the system for a number of years until they arrive at the age of puberty, and in adults for three or four years until at last it gives fearful indications on the skin of its person, uh, of its having gained a well-rooted and permanent existence. A leprous person may live 20 or 30 or even 50 years if he received the disease at his birth, but they will be years of indescribable misery. The bones and marrow are pervaded with the disease. The malady advances from one stage to another with slow and certain ruin." Life still lingers amid the desolation. The joints and hands and feet lose their power, and the body collapses or falls together in a form hideous and awful. There's a form of the disease in which it commences at the extremities. The joints separate, the fingers, toes, and other members one by one fall off, and the malady thus gradually approaches the seat of life. The wretched victim is thus doomed to see himself dying piecemeal, assured that no human power can arrest for a moment the silent and steady march of this foe to the seat of life. They literally would decay and fall to pieces. Such was the condition of this man. What a terrible disease. But can I say that there's a far more terrible disease, though it be not physical, it's a spiritual disease, and it's the disease of sin It's just as terrible and just like leprosy. By the time you saw it, it had already eaten a person alive. You know that's true of sin. Sin in the life of a lost person, but also sin in the life of a believer. Oftentimes, by the time that it's uh, perceptible on the outward appearance, it has already destroyed and decayed so much in the inside. Listen, this is something we need to really grasp. You know why? Because we're church-going people. That's why. And we know how to put the mask on, and we know how to look good, and we know how to act like everything's okay. We know what's expected of us. Let me tell you something. By the time that the people around you notice and see the problems in your life, the chances are it'll have eaten you from the inside out. Sin's an awful, terrible thing. But let me say, not only was it a terrible sickness, it was a terminal sickness. Once you had leprosy, it would either resolve itself on its own, or more often than not, it would merely uh, eat away at you until you died. You know why? Because there's only so much yourself you can give away until there's nothing left. Are you listening to me this morning? You need to understand that as it relates to the spiritual realm and to sin. There's only so much of you you can give away before there's nothing left. Hear me and hear me well. And there's some adults, and I, I'm not listening, I'm not fussing just at our young people. I mean, I'm preaching to everybody this morning. But there's people in this room that could testify to the fact that there's things they gave away that they wish they could get back. There's parts of their life that they would give anything if they could roll back the clock. And do something different, and change the way that they live, and get those years back, and make them count for Jesus Christ. One of the great tragedies you've heard it before, but is that youth is wasted on the young? You ever heard that before? Let me tell you something. One of the anything you've got an abundance of, you don't appreciate. We're all that way. Amen. I, I don't. I don't think much about being fat, and that's because I've got so much of it. Amen. <laughs> If I to death, I might appreciate those few extra pounds. It ain't the few extra pounds. It's the, it's the, you know, 60 or so on top of those that make me upset. But anything we've got an abundance of, we don't appreciate. You know, the great tragedy is, is young people in general. And this, this can even be said of me. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's slowly passing away, but, but I'm, I'm still a younger man. I may not be young, but I'm younger. But as a younger person, we think we've got an abundance of time. We don't value it. We don't appreciate it. Let me tell you something. You get where a lot of these people are that are in this room and they've got more of the road behind them than they've got in front of them and time means something. Time means something. There's only so much yourself you can give away. There's people in this room, they wish they could unsee things that they never unsee. Amen. Wish they could unhear some things they can never unhear. Unexperience some things that they never unexperience. And you know what one of the great things that we need to do is? You know one of the responsibilities I think we have when we're a trophy of grace is making sure that we warn people to not throw away their life and to throw away their time because that time is running short. See, no matter what, eventually death would catch up with this leper. It was a terminal sickness. But then notice not only his sickness, notice his status. Now, this is interesting to me. I'll be honest with you. I had to do a little bit of study on leprosy. And the Bible says a lot about it. If you go to the book of Leviticus, you'll see a lot of things about leprosy and how they were to identify leprosy and how they were to address it and deal with it, things of that sort. But this is something I found interesting. Now, in Luke's account of this gospel story, he says this. In Luke chapter 5, verse 12, he calls this man full of leprosy. Full of leprosy. This man did, did not just have a slight case of it. He did not just have one or two leprous spots on him, but he was full of leprosy. Head to toe, he was covered in leprosy. And you know what the Bible says that a priest was to do if that was the case? Listen to what it says in Leviticus thirteen thirteen. It says, Then the priest shall consider, and behold, if the leprosy have covered all his flesh, he shall pronounce him clean that hath the plague. It is all turned white. He is clean. That's interesting, isn't it? And that's strange. The Bible says that if he was full of leprosy, if it was all over him, head to toe, then the priest could pronounce him clean. If you want a medical reason, I can give you one. Typically, when it talks about it turning white, it means it had scabbed over. And there was probably no great risk of anyone being in proximity and catching it because the disease had scabbed over. But you know the truth that I find is this. The leper that came to the Lord for healing had already been declared clean in the priest's eyes. Stop and think about that for a moment. He had already been declared clean in the priest's eyes. He could go anywhere he wanted to go. He wasn't living in a leper's colony any longer. He could go, it was said that if a leper was to enter into Jerusalem while they were unclean, that they were to be beaten to death. But they could go into some of the walled cities, and as long as they didn't interact with anyone, they were to be left alone. But there were certain restrictions that were placed on lepers when they were unclean. But this man, no doubt, had been pronounced clean by the priest. He could go where he pleased. He could see his family. He could see his friends. In society's eyes, he's treated as though there's nothing wrong. You know why? Because the way they figured is, as long as his leprosy don't affect nobody else, he can continue to live in it. Oh my, what a picture of sin. What a picture of sin. Hey, if it don't affect nobody, then you just go ahead and live in it. Nothing wrong with it. And society and religion will look at a lost sinner on his way to hell and say, as long as you don't bother anyone else, as long as you come and you drop your coins in the plate and you've got your name on somebody's membership roll and you show up on Christmas and Easter and you don't bother nobody, you're okay. Pronounced him clean. We see he was declared clean. But you know what the truth was? He was dying just the same. He could have had all the priests in the world declare him clean. He was still dying. You know the you know the measure (laughs) the measure of the awfulness of sin is not just that it affects other people, but it's that at the end of the day it sends the sinner to a devil's hell. Let me tell you something. You might be the most religious sinner to ever live. You might be the kind of man that when you walk through the streets, people call your name, people holler at you, people wave at you, people say, oh, look what a good man walks along through there. He takes care of his family. He earns a good living. He goes to church occasionally. He doesn't bother anyone. He's a good civilian. He's a good civil servant. Look at him going through there. But at the end of the day, if you're lost in your sins, then none of that matters. You're dying just the same. Just the same. We see his status, but we see his seeking. You know what he realized? You know when a sinner comes to know Christ? He realized it didn't matter what the priest said. Something was wrong. It didn't matter what the priest said. The priest said he was clean. But he wasn't just looking to be pronounced clean. He was looking to be made clean. The priest could, could pronounce him clean. Oh, but only the Savior could make him clean. That's when the change comes. You see, as long as you're just satisfied with the status quo and the opinion of humanity, you'll continue to live in your sin. You may even fashion your sin in such a way where it don't affect a whole lot of it. We know sin affects people. But you may fashion it in such a way that you minimize the collateral damage of it. But at the end of the day, you know what happened? This man got fed up. He said to himself, I don't care if I can go anywhere I want to go. I don't care if I can see anybody I want to see. I don't care if the priest looks at me and says I'm clean. I don't care if society will fraternize with me and act like everything's okay. At the end of the day, the whole world may look at me and say, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, but I'm falling to pieces inside. I'm dying and something's wrong and I need help. He said, I've got to find somebody that can make me clean. I've got to find somebody. So he goes, seeking. And he says something interesting to the Lord. He says this, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. We have a strange coupling of faith and fear here. Because we see his faith because he says thou canst. You can, Lord. You're able. You're able. There's not a single person ever been saved that didn't believe God was able to save them. That's what faith is, is coming to the Lord and believing and acknowledging that He's able to save, to seek and to save those which are lost. And any that come to Him, He'll in no wise cast out. It's believing that Calvary worked and that Christ is risen. So He believed. He said, I know you can. But you know what the problem was? He said, I just don't know if He wants to. A lot of sinners suffer from that fear. They have the faith. They believe God can. But the question is, will He? You see, that's where you and I come in. It, it, it could have been there somebody that multitude that they went home and there was a leper that lived in their town or a leper that lived in a colony not far from where they lived. And you know what they could have done? They could have come to him and said, You know God can heal you? He would have said, Oh, of course I know God can heal me. And then he could have said, But you know God will heal you. That's the difference. Let me tell you something. We're not just to tell sinners that God can. We're to tell sinners that God will. He will. He's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Hey, he, he came to seek and to save. He didn't just come to show off and show out. He came to seek and to save. He didn't just come to set a standard, friend. He came to save the sinner. And he looks at the Lord and he says, I know that you can. I have no doubt that you can. I don't know what the limits of his faith were. I do not know what all he believed when he knelt down and said, Lord, I believe he was saying more than just Rabbi. I believe he understood that this was a man that knew God. I believe he understood this was a man that was sent from God. I don't know whether he understood this was a man that was God. I know this, that the Lord's, answer confirms it to him who exactly he was but he comes to him and he says lord i know you can i know you can i know you can but will you what was the lord's answer said i will i will some of you you've been praying for loved ones i know you have you tell me you're praying for them and you share their name with me and i know you get discouraged sometimes I know sometimes it can be frustrating as you pray and you beg God and you try to witness and you try to do what you can and you're trying to get their attention and you're begging and praying. You know God can because if you didn't know God could, you wouldn't pray. Can I tell you something? And God will never, listen, God will never override a person's free will. I'm aware of that but I'm equally as aware of this, that I do know the will of God in the matter of saving sinners. And I know He's willing to save them. And I know if they'll come to Him, He'll in no wise cast them out. I know that if they can just see their lost condition, if they can just see, if they quit trusting the words of the priest, and quit trusting the words of society, and quit trusting the status quo, and realize that though they may be accepted, that don't mean they're accepted in the beloved. Though they may be religious, that don't mean they're righteous. And though they may be white on the outside, inside, they're full of Dead men's bones. And they'll come to Jesus Christ. He will save them. He will save them. He will save them. We see His seeking. But notice not only the leper's condition, but notice the Lord's conversation. The Lord says some interesting things to him. Notice first off, His compassion. Everything that the Lord did in the way of seeking sinners, you always find that word compassion thrown in there with it. And this is no exception, although it's not in Matthew's account. In Mark's account, the Bible says this in verse, uh, one, uh, or verse 41 of chapter 1. It says, And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. He was moved with compassion. Real compassion moves a person. Real compassion spurs us to action. Listen, if, if, if you won't go witness to folks, you don't have compassion. You may have guilt, but you don't have compassion until it moves you, because real compassion moves a person. And he looks on this poor leper, and literally when we talk about that word compassion, it denotes the idea of the bowels moving. You ever heard, the Bible talks about bowels of compassion. Vows of compassion. And oftentimes you'll hear that word vows even substituted for emotion and feeling, and it denotes the idea. You know what it's like. You've eaten crystals before. Amen. I love crystals. I love crystals, but I gotta plan for it. I mean, I gotta you know, I gotta set aside a day and, and you know, I gotta allot some nap time and some bathroom time and some recovery time and I love crystals though. That literally has the idea of churning within one, moving on the inside. And when he saw him, he yearned for this leper. What an astounding truth. I'd say, first off, that he had compassion in spite of the crowds that were around him. I was telling him this morning in Sunday school, we was talking about soul winning and witnessing to people. I said, you know, part of the problem, we spend a lot of time arguing with people that don't want to be one and ignoring people that do want to be one. I understand we're to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. And I understand sometimes people have questions and they ain't going to listen until those questions are answered. But we spend a lot of time arguing. Anybody, listen carefully to what I'm about to say. You cannot argue and listen at the same time. If anybody's arguing with you, they're not listening. We spend a lot of time arguing with people. But you know, a lot of times the reason that we don't go to those that want to be one is because they're not desirable. Hey, I'm just saying what's, what's true. We don't think they're desirable. I I mean, God help us. Shame on us for that. You weren't much either when God found you, and I wasn't either. But that's the truth. A lot of times we don't go to those that want to be saved because we don't think they're desirable enough. You know, they don't fit in the right tax bracket, or maybe their skin's not the right color, or maybe their uh, manners aren't quite uh, the right way, or whatever it might be. And those are the folks that want to be one. The Lord... (laughs) Hey, there's a lot of people in that crowd that day. But where was his attention focused? It was focused on the man that wanted to be one. And he looks at this man. You know, the crowd must have been looking funny at him. What's he doing talking to that leper? That leper shouldn't even be anywhere close to him. Hey, let me tell you something. I had no business at the foot of Calvary when God saved me. <laughs> that was hallowed ground. And that my sinful feet should have trod there but the Son of God looked down upon me, and when he said, Father, forgive him, he was saying, Father, forgive him. He knows not what he does. And so in spite of the crowds, in spite of what people would have thought, he reached out and touched this leper. In spite of what people would have thought, aren't you glad that the Lord reached out in spite of what some people would have thought about you? I know some of you, you know, you you really got a pedigree, but some of you in this room, <laughs> you was in pitiful shape when God found you. I mean, listen, you, you was not just in the pit, you was in the miry clay. I mean, you weren't just in a bad situation. You, 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 you was covered in the mud and the muck of sin. But aren't you glad that the Lord looked down in compassion on you and reached out in spite of the crowds and saved you? He did it in spite of the crowds, but He did it in spite of the connotations of it. Man, reach out and touch a leper. Reach out and touch a leper? What would that mean for the Son of God to reach out and touch a leper? Well, I think this is beautiful. We see not only His compassion, but we see His condescension. Man, that hand, that hand touched the leper. That hand, around here we've got hand sanitizer. We've got We drink hand sanitizer around here. And when you got a church that shakes as many hands and hugs as many necks as ours does, it behooves you to have hand sanitizer around. You ever shook someone's hand you've regretted it? I have. I've been out some time. I'm not being ugly. I'm just saying. I, and I ain't saying it's anyone in here. I mean, that may be, you know, the righteous are bold as a lion, but the wicked flee when no man pursueth. If you got guilt over that, I don't know. But there's been times I've shook someone's hand I've immediately regretted it. You know I've I've hey how you doing? You know, but that hand, that hand, my hand it didn't much. But that hand, your hand it didn't much. But that hand, the hand not only just of the Son of God but of God Himself, the hand of the Creator, the hand of the Creator. I mean, the one that, when, it, when, it, whenever, when there was nothing and everything was created, it was that hand. That hand. Wretch out and touch the lepers. You know what that tells me? That tells me something in that act of condescension. It tells me something, number one, about His purity. You know why they were forbidden to touch the lepers? Because it would make them unclean. But He was so pure that nothing could make Him unclean. Nothing could make Him unclean. One of the arguments people always make, uh, that, that God can't preserve His Word. And a lot of people believe that God can't preserve His Word. If they ever say, well, yeah, but in the originals, they believe God can't preserve His Word. Uh, because if God can preserve His Word, then the originals don't matter, right? Because what's in that King James Bible is the same thing that was in the originals. Uh, and one of the arguments people make when they talk about that is they say, well, the Bibles, the translations we have, they've been ruined by man's hands. You've heard people say, it sounds real smart. But here's the problem. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So you're going to tell me that the Bible, the Word of God, the written Word, has been polluted by man's hands. In those acts of translation, in those acts of interpretation, in those, could we say, friendly gestures, as it, correlates to the Word of God. You're you're telling me that it's been polluted. And yet the Son of God, who is the living Word, who is synonymous in nature with the written Word, upon the cross of Calvary could become our sin and bear the sin of all humanity. And when He rises from the grave, He's glowing. Let me tell you something. That tells me something about His righteousness, His purity. After Calvary, His righteousness was just as fit in the presence of God as it was before Calvary. You ever stop and think about that? You understand what took place on Calvary, right? That great exchange that took place. Grace. My sin for His salvation. Uh, My unrighteousness for His righteousness. He became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So you understand that that righteousness that bore the sin of all humanity, that now we are robed in that righteousness and we are accepted in the Beloved, that tells me that that righteousness that was good enough for God before Calvary was good enough for God after Calvary. It tells me something about His purity, but it tells me something about His plan. Because herein we have a beautiful picture of God's redemptive design for humanity. You understand, you've heard this before, but the difference between religion and, and Bible Christianity, I, I hope you've heard this before, if not, get ready, you're going to. Um, But you understand that religion is man's attempt to reach up and grab God. That's what religion is. I'm going to go to church, and in that way I'll grab hold of God. I'm going to be baptized, and in that way I'll grab hold of God. I'm going to do good works, and in that way I'll grab hold of God. I'm going to make confession, I'm going to go to Mass, I'm going to do whatever it may be, and in that way I'm going to grab hold of God. You see, that's religion. That's man's attempt at reaching God through his own means. But you know what? Bible Christianity is, don't you? That's God's attempt to reach man through His own means. The leper didn't reach out and touch Christ. Christ reached out and touched the leper. You know why I love Him? Because He first loved me. I don't love Him because I first loved Him and He reciprocated it. I love Him because before I ever did love Him, He loved me. And in fact, God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let me tell you something. You didn't do a thing to earn God's love. That's why it's grace, 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 grace. Not by any merit or worth intrinsic to you, but by the righteousness of Christ and by the sacrifice of Calvary. What a picture of Him reaching out and touching the sinner! of him being willing to be made unclean, that the leper might be made clean, truly clean. We learn something about his plan. But then I want you to notice not only his compassion and his condescension, but I want you to notice his confirmation. What did he say? Now, the leper says this, If thou will, thou canst make me clean. And listen to what the Lord said. He didn't say, well, let me pray about it. He didn't say, well, let me go to a higher authority about it. He didn't say, let me think about it for a little while and let me discuss it with someone. He simply said, I will. You know what that tells me? He's confirming, number one, His deity. He didn't have to pray because He was God. He didn't have to petition the throne room because He's the one that sits on the throne. He just merely said, I will. Let me tell you something. When you come to Calvary, I understand... He's the mediator for us. And I understand He's our advocate. And I understand He's our intercessor. But you understand when you come to Calvary, you're coming to God Himself. Amen. Amen. There's no higher power He has to check with. He is the highest power. Yes, there, there's, no, there's no greater office He has to petition. He holds the highest office. He's not just a prophet, not just a teacher, not just a good man. But He is God His very self tells me something about his deity, but it tells me something about his desire. And I've already preached it, so I'm not going to dwell on it. But he said, I will. I will. He could have said, I won't, and he would have still been God. In fact, if he had said, I won't, it would have still confirmed his deity. It would have still let that leper know that he wasn't just dealing with a prophet or a teacher, but he was dealing with God in the flesh. Why did he say, I will? Because he will. That's Why? because he wanted to, and because God still wants to, to this very day. We see the Lord's conversation. But finally, I want you to notice the leper's cleansing. And I'm just going to give you this, and I'm going to be done. What happened? He reaches out his hand. He touches him. He says, I will be thou clean. And wouldn't you know it? He was cleansed immediately. We see that his cleansing, number one, was instant. It wasn't an installment plan. It wasn't a regimen. You, be, you ever been to the doctor and they gave you a regiment? for? You've been, come on now, you, I've not lost you yet. It's only 1120, stay with me. I, I know how many of you think I'm a liar because I say that and you go, that ain't, that ain't right, I don't think that's true. You've been to the doctor before and he's given you a regiment. The <laughs> Lord didn't give him a regiment. The Lord didn't put him on a, on a new diet. The Lord didn't give him a, a soy green bean wheat cleanse or something to drink. I see Megan, she's always drinking all these things that look like motor oil to me, but <laughs> you know why? Because there was only one cleansing element that was needed <laughs> the power of the word of God and instantaneous. In that moment. Not an installment plan. Not a wait and see how it turns out. Not even, listen, not even a wait and see what the priest says. In that moment, God saved him. Because that's how God does things. He did it in the moment. He saved him and it was instant. Notice, not only was it instant, but it was permanent. 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 We never never hear of this man having to come back to the Lord. We never hear him come back later. And you say, you think he would? I know I would. I would. Let me tell you something, and this is the thing. For those uh, out there that believe that you can lose your salvation, you ought to be pretty upset about it. I've never seen anyone that believes they can lose their salvation that was upset about it. I've seen some people that thought they could lose their salvation, that you show them what the Word of God teaches, and you tell them that their salvation is not in their own works of righteousness, uh, but in the grace of God by faith and by His righteousness, and they get awful upset. But I've never seen a single... Let me tell you something, if I believed I could lose my salvation, me and God, we wouldn't be on speaking terms. Because He made a promise to me. And He promised that when He'd save me, He'd save me forever. The only kind of life God has is eternal life. So if you got life from God, the only kind He could give you is eternal life. Man, He saved him permanently. But notice it was not only instant and permanent, but it was evident. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you why this is in verse number 4. I'm not going to spend a lot of time preaching on it, but I'm just going to tell you. He looks at the man and he says, See thou, tell no man. Go thy way and show thyself to the priest and, and give the gift that Moses commanded. A lot of people have struggled with that. They've said, why did the Lord tell him not to tell anyone? Well, there's sort of two reasons, I believe. One is this, at that time, I think that he was the Lord understood that if if word reached the high priest before the leper reached the high priest, that Jesus had healed him, there's a chance that the high priest might have not looked at him or not declared him clean just out of spite for the Lord. Another reason is this, because uh, you see, you know, a lot of people want the Lord for what they can get out of Him, and not who He is. You know that's true. There's a lot of folks that they, I mean, they want they want the Lord so He can get them out of debt, or the Lord so He can fix their marriage. But they don't really want the Lord; they just want the things the Lord can do for them. And that was the case in Israel. And there were times when they came and they wanted to crown Him king, but they didn't know who they were crowning. The Lord wasn't going to let them crown him if they didn't know who he was crowned. They wanted to crown a bunch of miracles. They wanted to crown some teaching. They wanted to crown liberty and freedom and independence from the Roman Empire. But they didn't want to crown the Messiah. We know that because later they nailed him to a cross. And so the Lord understood that as this was published abroad, it would hinder the work of the ministry that he was doing, according to what the book of Isaiah says, that their ears would be uh, fattened and that their hearts would be hardened. But you know, there's a greater truth here, I think, that we need to grasp, and that was this. He tells the the man, he says, go and show thyself to the priest. Show thyself. You know what that tells me? It tells me that in that moment, his entire life was changed in a way that was so evident that anyone could see it. Anyone. Anyone. Anyone that looked at this man, if they had known him before, you can imagine what he might have looked like. I often think about Jonah. A lot of people don't think about it, but Jonah, after spending three days and three nights in the belly of a whale, you believe he did that, I hope. The Bible says he did that, so I I believe he did that, and I hope you believe it too that when he came out, his skin would have probably been bleached from the gastric juices and he would look uh, ghostly and ghoulish and white from head to toe. And in that same way, you can imagine how horrific this man must have looked. Because let me tell you something, sin, it doesn't just wreck on the inside, it also wrecks on the outside. You live in sin long enough, it'll put you in an early grave and it'll make a wreck. of You, you look at the lives of those that lived in sin for years and their bodies are paying a toll for it. Man, you can imagine what this poor, wretched wreck of a human being must have looked like. But then in that moment, in that moment, I don't know how it happened. I can imagine as the scabs just fell from his body and new, fresh skin, like a new beginning, like a wiped, clean chalkboard. All of a sudden, everything is gone. The old is done away with. Behold, all things are become new. And people look upon him and he's a testimony of the power of, and the ability of the Word of God to change a leper. The Bible says this, can a leper change his spots? Well, no. No, but an almighty God can change the spots that are on a leper. You can't do for yourself that which needs to be done this morning. But there's a God in heaven, and there's a Christ on the throne, and there's a gospel for you to believe, and there's a salvation for you to receive, and God's able to do that which is beyond your reach. You may be here this morning. I, I said already that we're church-going people. And I believe that's true. I mean, I don't, I don't see anybody in this room that I think is, is probably not uh, fairly regular in, in a church somewhere. And, and, and as you're here this morning, you may be saying, but you know, society accepts me the way that I am. Society accepted the leper the way he was. You say, but you don't understand. The, the religious crowd, they say I'm okay. They say, I'm okay. A preacher told me that I was all right. Well, maybe so. A priest had told this man he was all right. But here's the question. Are you dying inside? Is something missing? Is there a void? Is there something awry and something wrong in your soul? I'd say this morning, before listen, before I'd just be satisfied that someone declared me clean, I believe I'd come to the Savior and I'd let Him make me clean. And He will this morning. Just as he said to that man, I will, he says to you today, I will be thou clean.